25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What up, everybody? Let's do it. It's Friday, Friday. <laughs> Roger? Yeah. I'm going to tell you a true story. You ready for it? A true story. A true story. <laughs> I was sitting in the Chick-fil-A drive through mm. half an hour ago. A lot of stories can start that way. <laughs> Sitting in the Chick Fil A drive-through. Yeah, I was sitting in the Chick Fil A drive-through half an hour ago. Really, and, and now, you're still there. <laughs> no, 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 no. And even though you may wish I was still there, I'm not still there. I'm now on the radio with you. I'm just saying they are so quick. Actually, they are. Yeah, they they got two lanes here. And do they have that there where you are? Where you've got like a couple of drives. I got me some coffee from because I was out okay. today from uh, High Point Roaster, so I had to get it from uh, Chick Fil A. What now? Do they have like the the dual drive through lanes there in Tupelo like yeah. they do here? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think they've got maybe up to four at one location. Hey, so. I will say, um, yeah, and they oh, can actually service four. Yeah, yeah. Look, and that's the whole key, right? You still, no matter how you you run through there, you still got to be able to get the food to them, right? But that's the thing about it; they're so quick because um, they have moved this thing to two lanes in the drive through, and when they f- they didn't used to have that. They remodeled the Chick Fil A here in Tupelo about two years ago. And when they first opened it back up, I was convinced that it was not any quicker. But I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It's quicker. And, you know, they they have the kids that stand out in the parking lot taking your order to make it go even faster. And have you seen these things they wear to shield them from the sun? Have you seen them? No, I haven't haven't done that. What what are the, kind of like a visor thing or what? It's the, it's the 2019 version of... Of like the Benny Hill hat or the Bill Murray hat that you wear a hat and it's got actually this multicolored umbrella sticking up off the top, you know? It's like the, the modern version of it, but it's like a backpack that they they you know pick it up and they put on the backpack that has like the baby carriage hood that then kind of unfolds up over them. Like a parasol. Yeah, like a parasol strapped to their back. And it folds up over their head, so they're in the shade constantly. Yeah. What I mean, it's such I'll a great. I'll tip them more idea. if they hang things off the fringe. <laughs> oh yeah, like in the movie Office Space, you got to have fifteen yeah. pieces of flair. So you know, you're like exactly. You're, like if you if you're a high school graduate, you got to hang your tassel off of it, right? While you're taking orders in the Chick Fil A drive. <laughs> Get all the bonus points you can. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd report that there's plenty of coffee in the thermos, thanks to them. Uh, on a related note, Chris Brooks, apparently on his show a little while ago, mentioned that Popeye's Chicken now is serving a chicken sandwich. I saw that advertisement, 
And I was planning on talking about it on this show, but he beat me to it. Now, that's the only thing uh, about being behind the Gridiron show with Chris is they're liable to talk about the same stuff I want to talk about. Now, I don't know what that means. I'm just saying it's the truth. The truth is the truth. There it is. So I just thought I'd put that out there. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your friends, your hometown heroes at Farm Bureau. Hit them up. Favorites.com. And we stay connected to you on this show around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Hey, I got a phone call? No, no, total inadvertent ring. Oh, okay. Well, it's timely, though. We're talking about the phone. Buddy. The number one network in Mississippi. Hey, speaking of which, Roger, you obviously intimately remember what happened yesterday. At around, well, most of it. <laughs> around the halfway point of the show. I'm talking to Neil Price. I'd just begun an interview with Hale State oh, Voice, yeah. Neil Price. Yeah. It's like, welcome, Neil, to the show. Hey, Neil, do you remember Leonard's Losers? And he began talking, and about four sentences in, he's like, yeah, I sure do. And then, boom, the lights went out in my studio. Electricity, well, gone. Well, he kept talking for a little while. Well, I, <laughs> I felt so bad, because then your guest, unbeknownst, is just out on this island by himself, and you're scrambling trying to figure out what happened to me. Meanwhile, here the lights are off, gone, bang, over. I I told him what was happening. Well, listen to this. He keeps his head in in a storm, I'll tell you. Well, and thank goodness he's a good sport, and he came back on the show later. Well, listen to this. So when the show was over, (laughs) I go to the front door. There's something hanging on the front door. Because, you know, the, the, the lights came back on within about five minutes. Notice to customers, there's a flyer hanging on my door handle. Here's what it said. Notice to customers, the city of Tupelo is installing new electric meters for both residential and commercial customers. McNeil Roads Energy Services is the contractor chosen to perform the installation If you are returning to this notice, your meter has been changed and the contractor was unable to contact you by knocking on your door. Because you were on the air. And then there's these bullet points on the flyer that was hung on my door handle. It says, what happens during installation? Bullet point number one. Your electric service has been interrupted for 10 to 15 minutes while the old electric meter was removed and the new electric meter installed. Were you using that? What? I'm just, I'm imagining. Listen, here's what I'm saying. Number one, it's doggone amazing that they come in here and completely switch out the electric meter and within five minutes the lights are back on. That was quick. Number two, that's the story of my life. That the five minutes they would choose to do it, I happen to be on the air. That's the way things happen in my life. That's how you roll. And number three, Roger, why couldn't I get this on my door the day before? (laughs) How about a little warning? I mean, here's the deal. They came and changed my meter and then hung this on the door. I'm sure you had lights on in there. Why why not? (laughs) (laughs) Come right back on the window. (laughs) Here's an idea. Go down my street, knock on doors, and hang things on door handles, and come back later. 
instead of let's go change the meter and then hang the notice on the door handle. <laughs> anyway, I just felt it necessary to finish this story off for anyone who was listening, people like Fluffy who texted in during the outage yesterday to explain to you what the heck went on. Now, let me tell you what happens to me when I have your reaction that you're having. What? I will find a, uh, obviously, two- to three-week-old postcard that came in the mail <laughs> yeah. that told me exactly what day and what time, <laughs> and I didn't pay any attention hey, to you, it. You missed it, right. You thought it was junk. Of course, this would be after I called them up and gave them a, <laughs> one of the limited uh, remaining pieces of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so at least you didn't do that. Yeah. Well... That's right. Well, maybe we got now. You got me feeling insecure, like we probably got something in the mail. You're gonna check your pile now. <laughs> I'm gonna go check it. Got lost in all the election stuff that I got. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, speaking of coffee, did you see this? Yeah, I ran out. By the way, look, I, I'm I'm going online today to HighPointRoasters.com. I like to get my coffee local from people who do it the best I've ever found, and that's at High Point Roasters in New Albany. I'm out. I went through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru to get coffee. But that's better than this. Venus Williams ordered a cup of coffee in the middle of a tennis match. Did you see this? Need a little pick-me-up. Yeah, that's how the story starts here at Sports Illustrated. Everybody needs a little jolt in the afternoon, (laughs) even in the middle of a professional tennis match. During a changeover in her match against somebody from Croatia, Vekic, Donna Vekic. Let's see, it's the Cincinnati Masters, and this was yesterday. Venus Williams, she wanted a cup of coffee. Her coach came over to give some mid-match pointers. He hardly even got there before she sent him to go get her some coffee. Got a pointer for you. Let's see, um... Mid-match coffee break appeared to have worked, though. After losing the first set 6-2, she took the second set 6-3 and the third set 6-3 to advance to the quarterfinals. All she needed was some coffee in the middle of her match. You ever heard of that? that? Could have been the bear claw she also got. <laughs> That's my thing, man. Like, if I get coffee, I want a brownie with it. That's the problem. This morning, I went out, got some coffee. You know what I, bring, I brought home with You know what I bring home with it, Roger? <laughs> I bet. I'm guessing a brownie or a biscuit of some sort. A chocolate ice donut and nice. a and a blueberry cake donut. Yeah, they have those there. Oh yeah, there's several places here in town that serve those. Oh, so you did a multiple stop? Uh, no, no, no. Thing. It was only one place. One one drive through. The most dangerous thing in the world. Well, the two most dangerous things in the world. Number one is an. Um, a crazy person with an automatic rifle, and number two is a donut store with a drive-thru <laughs> because that's what I did. I was going to say it'd be between a politician and a camera. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, look, uh, I overheard a conversation. I don't know the entire context of it. I just heard Chris and Beaver talking about Steve McNair, and... Just I can look at the text line over here at 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. So text away. You want to call the show, the Divinity Equipment phone line, wide open to you right now. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, 
995-1059. That's the number to call. Love to hear your voice today. Gator Greg, if you're listening, call me uh, when we got time to talk. Music cut you off yesterday. Huh? I'd love to talk a little football with you. Anyway, um, I just overheard it. I, I saw on the text line there was a little conversation going on. They were talking about old, you know, past quarterbacks. I don't know if this was a Heisman conversation or what. I just know that they were discussing Steve McNair. And they started looking at some of the stats. And it's true. When you look up Steve McNair's numbers, when he was the quarterback at Alcorn State, it's incredible. Somebody even texted them and said, McNair, goat of college football. Those stats unheard of at that time. He was a beast. But in the course of the conversation, I also heard this comment. It was said that people around the country back in 94 going into that season knew that Steve McNair, this guy who played in the SWAC, was exciting and maybe going to try to make a run at the Heisman or possibly could make a run. But but the idea was, again, I'm sort of quoting the idea, and I think there's truth in this. What they were saying is that people said he was going to have to put up just unheard of numbers that final year, in order to have a chance to win the Heisman. Now, I want to know why. I want to know why that is. And don't just give me the answer on the surface. Think about it. I want to know why that because a player like Steve McNair plays in the SWAC conference at the FCS level. Back then it was Division I AA. Why his numbers would have to be so just outrageous as compared to other guys playing at the Division I level for him to win the Heisman Trophy. All right, so is it a foregone conclusion that this Heisman Trophy thing is only for Division One, as we call it, or FBS players? Huh? Who all votes on it? Well, see, that's the thing. Now, there's media who get to vote, and the former, the former Heisman winners get to um, to vote as well. As well, you know. And I, but I don't know who, who exactly and how they figure out who gets a Heisman vote. Like, there's only Johnny a, Manziel had a vote on that. That's fascinating. Well, it is, yeah, because he won it. So he gets to have a say in who wins it. Is it a popularity contest? No, there's no question that's what it is. And so see, you, see, you didn't have as much exposure back then. I mean, there, did the swag that was it? I mean, nobody had as much exposure as they do now. Exactly. So you really had to pop out. That's what that's what I take from that. Well, and you're right in that if you go back to 1994, then sure they didn't have the exposure. I mean, there just there was no internet, <laughs> hardly. They wouldn't let us use it anyway. Right, that kind of thing in '94. So, so television and stuff, and their games weren't on TV. But they had more exposure for SWAC football and Alcorn State football than at any point in their entire history combined, because of that guy, Steve McNair. What number did he wear in college? Did he wear number nine at Alcorn State? I know that's what he wore in, uh, in the pros. But that season, Steve McNair threw for 5,377 yards and 
and 47 touchdowns while completing right at 60% of his throws. He threw the ball 612 times. <laughs> I think his number was nine. I think he was number nine in college. Or number four. Something like that, anyway. I know in the Titans he was nine. Let me put this in perspective for you, okay? Steve McNair in 1994 finished third in the Heisman voting. Behind Kajana Carter, running back Penn State, and Rashawn Salam, running back Colorado. He finished third. He was the highest vote-getting quarterback in the 94 Heisman voting. 5,000 yards and 47 touchdowns. The guy who finished right behind him, Kerry Collins, the quarterback at Penn State, threw for 2,600 yards and 21 touchdowns. I'm talking not even in the same universe. Not even in the numbers of any of these. Jay Barker, Alabama in 94, finished fifth in the Heisman voting. He didn't even throw for 2,000 yards. He threw 14 touchdowns. I know it was a different era. But the other quarterbacks who were even in the voting, their numbers aren't even a blip on Steve McNair's radar for what he did at Alcorn State. And listen, sure, I have historical perspective. Because we know what Steve McNair did when he got to the NFL. He was every bit as good and better than any of those guys in the NFL and proved it. So the fact that he played at Alcorn State in the SWAC against that level of competition in college had nothing to do with anything. He was, his numbers were better in college than the other guys against their level of competition. And his numbers were better than any of those guys. The other ones didn't even get a shot. I mean, Jay Barker got a shot with the Green Bay Packers out of Alabama and lasted about a year as a backup to Brett Favre, third string maybe. I mean, I know Kerry Collins played in the NFL for the Panthers and all that kind of stuff. He's nowhere near in Steve McNair's universe. And he wasn't in college either. But as they said on that show, and they are right, the thought around the country was this. Well, he's playing at Alcorn State in the SWAC in the FCS or back then, Division I AA. Therefore, his numbers would have to be just astronomical for him to have a chance to win the Heisman. Why? Why is that the assumption? It's because these knucklehead people, well, knucklehead's not the right word, mushy-headed media, really believe that there's this massive difference between you know, your level of competition in the SWAC versus, say, Division I football. Yes, there is a difference. But I got news for you. The NFL is full of SWAC players. Full of them. Of all the schools in the state of Mississippi, you know who has the most NFL Hall of Famers? Jackson State. Steve McNair proved that what he did in college transferred to the NFL better than any of those other guys who were getting votes right along beside him who did not deserve it. Anybody remember what Kajana Carter or Rashawn Salam did in the NFL as running backs? Nothing. <laughs> and Steve McNair was hands down. Hand, like it... I'm telling you right now, this has brought it back up all these years later, but I know I'm right. Therefore, I'm arguing it. People talk about Peyton Manning should have won the Heisman instead of Charles Woodson at Michigan. That was a pretty close deal. 
People talk about how Eli Manning got robbed and they gave it to Jason White of Oklahoma. Yeah, sure, give it to him. You know what was even a bigger injustice? The fact that Steve McNair didn't win the Heisman. That's an even bigger injustice. And the reason he didn't is because he didn't play at, at, you know, Michigan State. He played at Alcorn State. And this erroneous idea that somehow that player then is not deserving because of whatever. Listen, you go, okay, well, he plays a lesser level of competition. Guess what? He's playing with lesser ball players too. Good point. I mean, who? what kind of players surrounded Kerry Collins at Penn State? I'll tell you what. He's handing the ball to Kajana Carter, who finished second in Heisman voting. What kind of players were around Jay Barker at Alabama in 94? Todrick Malone, NFL receiver, handing it off to who? Sherman Williams, Dallas Cowboys running back? What's Steve McNair had? So it's just embarrassing that all we have to do is look back 25 years. It's only 25 years ago. And people look down their nose at a guy who throws for 5,400 yards and 47 touchdowns Hands down the most exciting player in college football all that year, but nobody gives a flip because he plays at Division I AA. It's just embarrassing that as a human race, we are that dim-witted sometimes. You think the guy that beat him out wonders about that sometimes? The guys that beat him out for votes don't want us to bring it up. And the people that voted, but they they, know. They, they know. Hey, Roger, they know. They all know. Just getting started. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Guy that I like a lot. He's a sports writer at AL.com. He's from around here, uh, Craig Stevenson. And he responded, I tweeted, the biggest snub in Heisman history is the fact that Steve McNair didn't win it in 94. An absolute joke. He threw for 5,000 yards and 47 TDs, rushed for another 900 yards, seven yards of carry. And and Stevenson said that Rashawn Salam wasn't a terrible pick. He ran for 2,000 yards on an 11-1 team. He says the fact that a 1AA FCS player even made the top five is a miracle in retrospect. Has a player from that level even gotten a single Heisman vote since? Okay, there's my point. What is this award? I want to know. Is it an FBS Division I award? Because I'm telling you, look at the NFL. If you think... Okay, if you think that only a majority of D1 players, FBF players, only a a handful of FBS players could possibly be the best football player in the country, you're crazy. It's not reality. Do the FBS teams have bigger fan bases? Yeah, of course. Obvious reasons. Therefore, they have more money? Yeah. Absolutely. They recruit maybe uh, better recruiting classes overall? Sure. 
Yeah. But if you can't look at, and if you couldn't watch, I'm just what I'm saying. If you couldn't watch Steve McNair play in 1994, which millions of people did because he was so good. If you couldn't watch that in 1994 and see that he was better than everybody else, regardless of what level they played on, then you need to just watch another sport. Everybody knew it. And guess what? McNair proved it in the NFL, too. But we we got to make sure we give it to the guy who rushed for two thousand on an eleven and one FBS team. No, he wasn't a terrible pick. Yeah, but that's the thing. If it's a if it's a Division One award for the best player, say it. All right, here's the point of all of it. Here's what I'm going to drive home to you. And then I'm moving on to something else. Here's the point I'm driving home. It's a hype award. You hear me? That does indicate to you just how awesome Steve McNair was because there never has been before or since the kind of hype for a SWAC player like you had with Steve McNair. And the reason was he was so good that when you watched him, it was like watching Michael Jordan for the Bulls. See, look, 94 was a time when Air Jordan was just everything. You oohed and odd every time you watched him play. This guy who was just so much better than everybody else, Air Jordan. What did they name Steve McNair? Y'all remember in 94, what was his nickname? Air McNair. It was everywhere. He was everywhere. He was that good. He was that good. He was that special. You go, ah, different level competition. Yeah, with different players around him too. Who was blocking for Salam handing him the ball? Who was it, Cordell Stewart? Or was he still there? You know, how many four-star, five-star type offensive linemen blocking for Rashawn Salam on that Colorado team? Heck, they won a national championship a couple of years earlier. Who was blocking for Steve McNair? Exactly. So it's a hype award. It's all about viewership for the television stuff now. Uh, we got to pull in as many people as we can, so let's let's drum up a debate between, you know, Oklahoma fans and Alabama fans. I mean, that's what it's become. It's not about the best player. Heisman is not about the best player. It is about a really good player on a team that gets you a lot of clicks. That's what it is now. And and frankly, it all started with snubbing guys like this back in the '90s. Okay, so there it is. All right. <clears throat> On the text line, Tim says, because for the most part he was playing against weak defenses. With what? Was he playing against weak defenses with Colorado's offense? I mean, come on, think, people. There are 22 people on the field, only 11 of them on defense. Uh, Another text, if they cover all names up in last Heisman votes. Have them vote on stats. See how much that changes who won it. No doubt. Hype. It's a hype award. Oh, and get ready for it. <laughs> get ready for it. It's just going to continue. It's a hype award. What does it say? What is Miko laughing at? Oh, Roger says, I tried to tell him. Number nine. Okay, we got it. <laughs> Steve McNair won number nine at Alcorn State. Several people letting us know that. Uh, I appreciate that. And it seems appropriate, too. 
It's kind of like uh, becoming obligatory. People looking forward to it. I'm going to get to 100 grand tweet. I mean, text in just a sec. First up, though, on the uh, Divinity Equipment phone at 995-1059. Divinity Equipment in Madison and Jackson. They are your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America, right here at home. Clyde, how are you today on a Friday? Oh, I'm doing great. Roger and I had a we had an old reunion there, so uh, we kind of we kind of touched base a little bit there. Well, you know, one of the things you talk about, Steve McNair, a lot of these people that are judging these players have never seen any of these players play. They've never been to SWAT games. They've never been to a Division One game. I was fortunate enough to go to high school with a couple of guys that played several years in the NFL and one that's a Hall of Famer. We went and watched a lot of those old Jackson State games and some of those all-corn games. And if you've never seen these guys play, people can't call in and judge that, oh, he played against a, 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 a terrible team. There were a lot of athletes out there on those teams, mm. a lot of athletes out there on those teams that a lot of people don't know anything about. They were probably better than playing at some Division One school. Mm. Well, there's no question, Clyde. And see, I mean, those kids are the same age, right? Yeah. I mean, we're going best college. Go ahead. One of the best college games I ever been to in my life was was Jackson State and Valley State when Jerry Rice was playing and Willie Totten. It was the most entertaining college football game I'd ever seen because the whole first half, Mississippi Valley State threw the ball every play from the first for every play. They never ran the ball at one time, and then the second half they came out and the, and they treat Jackson State. They ran the ball down the field with a guy by the name of Carl Byram who played in the NFL for several years with the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot of these people that want to judge these people never have seen them play. Unless you go to some of those games, you can't sit there and say, well, you know, they play inferior talent. These, these kids are good. Well, and they're just, you know, that's it. And and instead of, you know, instead of 15 four- or five-star players on the field, there might be one or two. But that's the thing about it. Exactly. That's the thing about it. They weren't one or two, they weren't four or five stars coming out of high school, or they would have been recruited more heavily. But that's the thing. They're always misses. Guys get to college and blossom. They grow up. I mean, look, compare anybody from eighteen years old until twenty one, and they all grow up and muscle up. And a lot of them go to they don't make it to state or Ole Miss, and they go to Jackson State or Alcorn State. And from 18 to 21, they turn into NFL talents because they just grew, you know, and well, you have to consider that. In the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of five-star, uh, there was a lot of four-star and three-star athletes coming out of these schools that were African-American that nobody recruited. Exactly. That nobody wanted mm-hmm. to recruit because, because of the situation. And those players were a lot better than a lot that were at the Division One school. No doubt about it. I'll hang up. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Thanks Clyde. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, Gator Man and music started, so hang on if you can, and I'll get to you on the Divinity phone. Lots of text to get to as well, and we'll do that. Having fun with y'all on a Friday. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
Atta boy, Roger. We deserve it on Friday. <laughs> yeah, we do. Starting a guard <laughs> for you, Chicago Bulls. Number 23, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> And on the Divinity phone, a former five-star caller. No, he's a current five-star caller. Gator Man hung on for a long time. What's up, Gator Man? And J.D. Power and Associate Award-winning caller. <laughs> um, yeah, boy. You, uh, you, you're close on that call for Michael Jordan, but you're a little off. Yeah, because, I know uh, it. They announced Scotty first, okay, and okay. Michael last, and they always said, a six-six guard out on North Carolina. They always said, "Oh, North Carolina," <laughs> and you could barely hear him. Hear the uh, hear what he was saying after that. Yeah, because everybody got so loud. That's it. But they always announced Scotty first and, and MJ last. Which I, I guess that was a sign of respect for Scotty. Yeah, Matt, sure. you did leave in that long but, pause though that they they always had before they started. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you were talking about like Heisman Trophy and back in the way it used to be, you know, until Tebow came along, which they couldn't, you know, it would would have been a Travis Shamakri if they denied him. He was the first sophomore to ever win it. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. there was one other time when a sophomore and he happened to be a Florida quarterback probably should have won it because his numbers were way better than the guy that did win it. And that was one Rex Grossman in 2000, uh, 2001 Heisman when he was a sophomore. And that was still before, you know, before the time when the writers felt like they couldn't give it to a sophomore. And Eric Crouch won it, who, you know, ran that offense pretty good, but his numbers were no, you know, pedestrian compared to Rex Grossman's. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you know, if you look at it, uh, Rex Grossman, you know, he passed for almost in 2000, almost 4,000 yards. He had nine games where he passed over, where he passed over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible, you know, crazy, uh, thing about today, but that was back in 2001. That was nine games where he passed over three, 300 yards and had like 34 touchdown passes. Um, but they didn't give it to him. He came in second place because he was just because he was a sophomore. Remember David Carr that year? David Carr yeah. David Carr finished fifth that year in 01 <clears throat> behind Joey Harrington at Oregon, Ken Dorsey, Miami, Rex Grossman, Florida, and then you mentioned Eric Crouch, who was a he's a dual threat. Crouch, you know, was a yeah. runner. Okay, how about this? Yeah. You talk about times changing. Anyway, that, but real quick, Der- David Carr finished fifth. He's at Fresno. He threw for just under five thousand, yeah. just under five thousand yards and forty six touchdowns. His numbers absolutely dwarfed anybody else, including Grossman. But he was at Fresno. Yeah. Now here's the other yeah, thing, well, though. Hold also, on. Here's the other thing. Yeah. Crouch. How about winning the Heisman Trophy as a quarterback with a negative touchdown to interception? He threw seven yep, touchdowns sure, and sure threw was. ten that's picks. Was, that's what I was going to say. That's it, what I was going to say. And to be honest with you, Matt, it, even if even him being a runner, you combine his 
yardage and it's nowhere near cars and it's 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 uh less than grossman it's only about uh 2600 yards combined um mm-hmm. compared to grossman's like uh right under 4000 and um cars right under i mean uh, right at 5000 yeah but uh to me that that was an incredible year for grossman cuz of course he was playing in the SEC against you know incredible talent which i still think he's the best pure quarterback that florida uh passing quarterback that florida's ever had and and i'm including uh shane uh steve spurrier danny warfel all of them Mm -hmm. rex grossman was that good as far as when he was in college passing the football it was it it is some incredible things but uh brought that up. There's a lot of guys that probably should have won it that didn't hey, win it because um, of some stupid like baseball type rule. Gatorman, you're um people around here, whenever you mention Rex Grossman, you know what they bring up? Third and fifty seven. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> in that yeah. I think that was the two thousand Mississippi State game. It was in Starkville. Or I think it yes. was two thousand. Florida does never never does well in Starkville. Even if they do win, like the year that Tebow went, the game that I went to, uh-huh. yeah, that was not that was a hard game for for Florida. You know, Dan had left and he was at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tebow threw two pick sixes, and it was he was so angry after the game because Steve Adazio ended up being the offensive coordinator, and in the second half they had just had to let Tebow run it. Just hey, and Gatorman, uh, listen, you were there. Yeah. I, I was there, too. I was up in the press box. And the two loudest games that I have ever been in a stadium for not playing, so just in attendance, was the 2014 Auburn-Mississippi State game when game day or whatever it was was there. Um, you know, and they and that was a Prescott game. But the one previous to that, was that 2009 or 10? It might have been 2009 Florida game that you're talking about. Yes, yes when, 2000, 2009. Yep, when John Banks, Jonathan Banks, the freshman at the time for State, picked off Tebow in the end zone, returned it 100 yards for a TD right there in the first half. Right before halftime. And I'm up in the press box, and that place, I, I wasn't the only one. There were media members that were grabbing their computers and like some were holding on to them, others were unplugging them about to get out of there because that press box was moving around shaking. It, it was incredible. Yeah, it was it was it was it was extremely loud because I remember I had a headache the next day from all the state fans ringing cowbells in my ear. Hey, you bring that up. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question since sure. you bring that up. Um, Sports Illustrated put out in the last day or two best traditions in college football according to Sports Illustrated. It was a top ten. Things like Country Roads at West Virginia, the 12th man at A&M, Howard's Rock at Clemson. The turnover chain, which was ridiculous because it just started. Yeah, they had that at number number 10 for Miami. They had the Cowbells in Mississippi State at number 8. On the list, how do you? What do you think about that? Uh, I actually don't. I don't think the turnover chain needs to be in there at all because it just happened. Mm. And I think the cowbell thing needs to be closer. It, it, it at least needs to be in the top five. What mm. makes me mad is they didn't have Mister Two Bits in there. Yeah. And that's the um, 
the guy at the beginning of every Florida game that wore the yellow Oxford with the orange and blue mm-hmm. tie that used to get the crowd, you know, two bits, uh, four bits, six bits, a dollar off of the Gators stand up a dollar. He just passed away. And now they're having honorary Mr. Two Bits at the at the beginning of each game. They didn't have that in there, which is ridiculous. But um, I think the cowbell should have easily been top five, if not like top three, because yeah. it, it's such a unique thing. It's I mean, it's a, and it's been around for forever. I mean, I remember back in the '80s, my buddy, um, I was still in uh, you know grade school, but his sister was a member of the MSU band, and we used to. Uh, mess around in her room all the time and i remember seeing the cowbells and i was like what are these for and he <laughs> told me and i was like wow and i rang it it was so loud so that was that goes way way back yeah so the turnover chain just freaking happened I don't yeah really and, and i don't understand there. the thing i didn't understand about having the turnover chain on that list was that that's a player thing it's a it's a on yeah, it's the, not a fan deal. It's yeah, not a right. Fan deal. It doesn't involve the fans. It's not like I mean, it's just a player. Like now, people might argue Howard's Rocket Clemson. Yes, but that's a little different, and it's older. You know, the dotting the I at Ohio State. That's the band. You know, we're talking about mascots. Yeah, like it's pre, it's, and it's all it's all like pregame stuff to get yeah. people hyped up. It's the tradition. Right. Just like, you know, Florida singing Where Are the Boys of All Florida and they slay back and forth. That had no mention either and that's been happening for decades. Yeah. You know, a whole stadium swaying back and forth arm in arm uh-huh. to start the end of the third quarter. I mean, if they were gonna do that and include stuff that was new, yeah. why didn't you include the Tom Petty a won't back down song? I mean, that they sing Hey, but as a Florida fan, as a Florida fan, I know you might not like this, but my friend Charlie Winfield responded to that with one that he felt like was left off, and I think he's got a point, and that is uh, the Seminole riding out on that horse. Chief Osceola, Chief Osceola throwing the spear down. Yes. That should be in it as well. I agree. I I have no qualms with that. Yeah, I I agree. I have no qualms with that. Chief Osceola throwing down the spear, it should be in there too. Yep. And, hey, uh, uh, they, yeah, go ahead. Gator Man and music starting. I appreciate your call. It's good to talk to you, buddy. All right, brother. Have a good one. You too. Have a great weekend. Covering a lot of ground. Still have a ways to go. And 100. 100- hey, they have that guy that rides around with Texas. Well, it's the school in Texas. The Red Rider guy. The, the Red Raiders. They shoot the cannon off. Yeah. And- yeah. The uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders. Yeah. Um, and man, the Buffalo. The thing that was also weird is they had Auburn on the list, but it was Toomer's Corner, rolling the trees at Toomer's Corner as a best tradition. And I would have Auburn in the same spot. I would just replace Toomer's Corner with that eagle flying around before kickoff. Attaboy, Roger. Right on cue. Hour two coming up. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.